Here we are with our second episode of season two. I'm Elsie. And I'm Kenzie. Hey guys, welcome back. We are here with episode three of Hell Year, Trapped in a Maze. So this episode picked up where the last episode left off and they were continuing with their nightly investigation. As an offering, they were leaving tobacco and had candles burning to open communication with the goblins. Yep, it was uh, mainly Dana. That was, you know, it was her idea. Um, I, I think she's Wiccan. Um, I think we might have touched on this. I'm not sure. Um, so she's very versed on yes. ways to open up doorways for communication. Yeah, offerings are typically made in Wiccan and Pagan rituals. Little fun fact for those of you who do not know, the reason why she offered tobacco is because Kentucky um, is a large producer of tobacco in the United States. And I remember as a kid going down there that you would uh, see like old dilapidated barns that you would think were just abandoned and they'd be... Hold on, let me stop you. You said uh, in the United States, but you didn't say where in the United States. I said Kentucky. Did you? Yes. Jesus. Now I gotta I'm, do it over again. I'm losing it. Oh my god. Unless you want to leave that part in there. <laughs> of us arguing. <laughs> I think you should. It's funny. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. Before I was interrupted. In Kentucky, which is in the United States, you would see old dilapidated barns or whatever with tobacco hanging, you know, from the rafters and they would dry out. So... I thought it was very clever of her to have an offering of tobacco. Yeah, and rituals in um, pagan religions are, are done so to show that you're honoring and respecting whatever entity you're trying to communicate with. Um, in response to the offering, they started to hear wooden knocking. You remember that? Yeah. Um, and... They had heard things that they heard things that sounded like they were being thrown at them, and obviously they felt like they were being watched. I'm just trying to think of like what would be out there, like because you obviously can't knock on a tree, like you're not gonna hear that. You know what I mean? Yeah, as far as a human knocking on a tree, mm -hmm. you're like knock on a stone, you know, like yeah, no, you're not gonna. They hear just that. got boards gonna... out there that they they knock on. That's a an interesting point you brought up. And these responses, they started receiving them immediately after they began their offering. Um, what's interesting about them hearing knocks is that that was the earliest way people had communicated with spirits. They would ask them questions and the person would say, knock once for no and knock twice for yes, something like that. And also knocking on wood is a superstition that in many cultures which actually has pagan roots it goes that they knocked on tree trunks to awaken spirits to release them for good fortune uh, the celts would actually touch tree trunks to thank leprechauns for good luck and other cultures had similar beliefs that's interesting yeah i thought Did that was pretty that. cool Look at the symbolism we got up in here. <laughs> what was the method then that they were doing? What's it called? The Amthon? <laughs> the Estes method. Estes. Yes. So apparently they were doing the Estes method. 
he he. Why is that funny? Estes? Yeah. Sounds like testes. Oh my god. So, the Estes method is when one person wears noise-canceling headphones that are connected to a spirit box. And they're also blindfolded. So they kind of close off their sight and their hearing. Oh, all their senses are gone at that point. Like So they can't be influenced by their environment. Yeah. Basically. And this method was actually developed by Connor Randall and Carl Pfeiffer and Michelle Tate. It was named after the place where they first conceived the idea, which was during their <laughs> Stanley Hotel <laughs> in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, that's where they were filming uh, a documentary. Uh, and you just totally screwed up, and I forgot what I was saying. It's fine. Just roll with it. Jesus. Because don't, you had to giggle. Don't edit this out. Because it's you funny. had to giggle like a child. It's because funny. Estes and the word conceived. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. So anyway, Connors Connor subjected himself to be the one to undergo this part of the Estes method. I think it's it's kind of cool they actually mentioned in this episode that he's been he's like logged like over a hundred hours doing this, which that's that's pretty impressive and very patient of him. Yeah, I couldn't imagine having to wait. I've seen other people where they'll only do it like at a 15 minute increment and th- then they'll have somebody tap them out. Um, I couldn't imagine having noise canceling headphones on and having to listen to that friggin' spirit box. Are you are, like, don't don't compare Connor to CJ Faison, who only who tapped out after like five minutes of him, you know, screaming like a little girl. Uh, barely remember. Oh, yeah. When he was in that haunted hotel. For those of you who don't know, CJ Faison is... We're not getting into that. Okay. He's just a YouTuber that gets into, like, haunted stuff. From time to time, yes. Yeah. Anyway. (sighs) Back to the Estes. Back to the Estes. We need to try this. We need to... Yeah, we do need to try it. I've I've been wanting to try it. It's just a matter of finding time and a place to do it in, really. Yeah, I mean, now that it's finally getting warmer, we've we've gone through our psychic winter, um, we can, I'd like to do it outside. Yeah. But I could, I could, underst- I could understand and see how the, you know, constantly in your ears would just drive you nuts. Yes, I, I can't even stand listening to it without headphones on. It drives me nuts. But we'll try that and get in a... Let you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm eager to do it. Okay. okay. So they started the Estes method. Um, obviously, Connor was sitting down. All the senses were cut off. They started. And it was Dana, Greg. Carl. Carl. All asking questions and communicating with Connor um, to try to contact the spirits slash goblins and everybody yeah whatever was there to communicate with them and something did communicate with them um almost instantly yeah connor was basically narrating everything that was going on around him um this entity let them know that it was there with them uh so during this you know they would hear noises in the woods and who knows if it was an animal. I remember one of the things Gunner said. Uh, coyote. Um, 
And I'm sure there was a very good chance that there was a coyote in the nearby woods. Yeah, what's funny though, um, I looked up the like the animal meetings and stuff of a coyote. Um, they are perceived as tricksters, uh, shapeshifters, mischievous ones. Um, so interesting that they heard coyotes. Uh, I mean, definitely it's not like far fetched that they would hear them. Obviously, because they're in the mountains of Kentucky. I'm pretty sure they there's a lot of wild animals around. So they, I don't think they said they heard any. No, they said they heard coyotes. Not like making their howl noise, but like walking through the woods. They said they, if you go back and watch it again, oh, it says okay. that they, they heard uh, coyotes. Gotcha. So amongst all this communication, um, Carl's camera battery died, which I thought was interesting because anybody who's familiar with paranormal investigations... Usually spirits and those sort of entities tend to suck your battery power. So he had to stop filming with his camera and go grab another battery. What's funny, too, is that um, during the reading, wasn't it Carl's name that kept that Connor kept saying that was coming through the spirit box? Yeah. Or was it Connor's name that was coming through? Um, he said Carl's name... Oh, there was a part where Greg had asked if Terry Wrist was injured cold. And Connor said, Carl is. <laughs> and then they all laughed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they did say another time that, like, the name came up another time. I think two more times after that, the name Carl did. Maybe. I, I, I can't remember exactly. A uh, little fun fact. Carl is Germanic, and it means free man. Hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> A little fun tidbit, I guess. I think it's interesting, but, I mean, whatever. Free man, free mason. No, I want to go free mason. <laughs> you want to no, go that far? No. All right. So, um, Greg had asked the question, will they find what they're looking for? And Connor said... Leave it alone. So they're kind of... Leave what alone, though? Exactly. Like, should they... At this point, should they keep seeking further answers? Um, It wasn't very specific, and it was pretty vague. It didn't want to give any kind of direct answer to that. Um, Then Greg had asked about ink and black. And the response was pattern the word pattern um then greg had had said that he's ready for the next step and connor asked ready so it was almost like taunting them in a way kind of yeah like making sure that they're ready keep asking are you sure are you ready are you ready yeah is this something you can handle type deal Mm Um, so then Greg had asked where they should go next, um, and they were told the mountains. And then this entity started to interact with Dana. They, it wanted Dana to do something. It wasn't, like, very specific or anything. I think, uh, it said girl. I can't remember the exact words. Yeah, it never said her name. It just said girl. Yeah. So again, during the reading, there was still a lot of... Like, 
sounding like stones were being thrown at them or wood knocking and that just happened constantly there were times there where connor's um like responses were like hitting a crescendo they just were building and building um it was getting rather intense i mean for as intense as it could be <laughs> right so to touch upon the fact that they kept hearing noises in response to that connor had said record it so it was just kind of cool how he was responding to the environment even though he was closed off to his environment mm-hmm. um there was one time connor said the word order and greg had asked third order i heard they were mia is what he said and the response was no one's there and I know we talked about that before, mm-hmm. the Third Order, and how we couldn't really find any information. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. Kind of more, more on Catholicism concerning the Third Order than anything. At least me. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything at all. Then, just randomly, Connor had said 48. Mm-hmm. And they kind of all put it together like, oh my god, have we been recording for 48 minutes? And um, they wanted to check how long they had been recording at that time. And I, they never did go back and touch upon this to, to confirm. No, they that, did. Didn't they? Yes, they did. They had been recording for 48 minutes. Yes, they did. Really? I don't remember that. My memory is horrible. So, <clears throat> Greg had asked if this uh, entity could help him find Indra Cold. Uh, the response was hidden flap, still water, bridge, ready, and true star. So they were trying to put together all those terms and what they could have represented. Uh, Like what location? Did they ever come up with anything or no? Oh, God. I'm trying to, I want to think that... They had kind of thought there was this, a certain place, but I, I can't remember the name of it. Mm. Um, so then, toward the end, Connor was talking and he said he had an image of a tin can come clearly into his head. It didn't have a label on it. And he said this is the first time any kind of image has ever just popped into his head randomly with you know, no, expl- oh, no explanation to it. So what do you think about that? I mean, it's a tin can. It's pretty hard to interpret a tin can. <laughs> yes, and, and having watched the episodes, we we know what like, happens in the future. Yeah, obviously there's like but... no like real huge significance to a tin can, but it's the fact of them being f- like fed little breadcrumbs. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So then they move on to the next day. They decide to go into town and try to find information on David Christie. They were trying to find out if this guy actually existed. If he lived there, if he was from the area, if he was actually a doctor there, and so on and so forth. Yep. They went into the Pikeville Courthouse, uh, County Assessment Office, and even to the Sheriff's Office. Um, They had clerks look up records. Um, No one in that, no one with that name ever existed in Pikeville or Hellier. There was no license and no property record. Um, and that's all. They they got nothing on David Christie at all. During their interviews with people in the towns, 
Uh, they found out that people from the towns around Hellier had been experiencing paranormal activities. Um, some included seeing UFOs. Uh, there was even a psychiatrist who said her family was taunted by demons. Sounds like a fucking demon. Yeah, we have demons here. Um, and Greg thought it was very interesting that the people in the area used the term critter to de to describe any entity or whatever they thought something yeah, that's, was. That's a very southern term for little annoyances. They call them critters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The next day, they ended up meeting Tammy. Tammy was the gas station clerk that they had met on her first visit to Hellier. Yep. So the next day, they ended up meeting her at the gas station, obviously, because it's the one-stop shop. And her grandson was supposed to take the crew up into the Flatwoods. Well, he, he failed. <laughs> yeah, he supposedly decided to go hunting and was unavailable. Um, but then they ran into a man named Joey who was an amateur caver. Um, he said he had seen a lot of strange carvings in the caves. Uh, he told them about a, a footprint that was found in a cave, and he ended up giving them the coordinates to go find it. Um, he also mentioned seeing carvings of Chief Cornstalk in a couple different mountains. I mean, that's not that far-fetched. Um, concerning she uh concerning Chief Cornstalk, um, seeing as how those all seeing as how those lands were inhabited by the Native Americans, you know, they obviously traveled all over the place. He was a obviously a very popular guy, so <laughs> Yeah. The Chief Cornstalk carving in a cave had come up with the Mothman case, which was written by John Keel. Uh, a little bit about Chief Cornstalk. Uh, he lived from 1720 to 1777. He was a leader for the Swanee. Uh, during the Battle of Point Pleasant in 1774, or was it 17? I don't know. It was the 1700s. Okay. The Battle of Point Pleasant resulted in a treaty to end the war. A man named Bob Roach built a statue of Cornstalk in Point Pleasant. It was thought that Cornstalk had cursed the land and he was betrayed and murdered by the locals. Which all ended up, not all of it, but just the part that he that he cursed the land ended up being false. It was actually written by some... Yeah, the curse of Cornstalk was passed down from generation to generation. Um, there was a transcript of a play written in 1921 mm -hmm. that was discovered, and that's how the curse was... Debunked. Yeah, that's the word. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I'm here all night. <laughs> <laughs> so then they go back to the cabin and they talk about their strange encounter the random encounter with this joey guy um didn't they give it give give didn't joey give them a number to some guy or yeah, some older gentleman yeah you're, you're getting a little head oh you're getting a little head so basically they were shooting the shit um and trying to figure out if they had been baited from the start and accidentally stumbled onto something real what do you think? From the start, from that David Christie email, 
Do you think it was just some random person that baited them, say, hey, go here? Oh, and, obviously, and then, if the guy never existed. And then all of a sudden, they're finding all these strange little things that seemingly amount to something. Well, yeah, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, obviously, the guy's not there. He was fake. They can't find him, so obviously it was, it was a ploy to get them there. Whether it be an actual person or a spirit or an alien... Who knows, really? <laughs> so while they were talking about all this. Or it could have been a government person that knew something and... Yes, like... and, and didn't want to reveal their true identity. Yes. Mm -hmm. So while they were going through all these ideas, Joey ended up calling Connor. Uh, he told him about a teacher that he randomly ran into who was just... No, who, I'm sorry. He told him about a teacher he ran into who was actually at the scene where the footprint was found. Um, so that just placed more emphasis on the synchronicities. Mm -hmm. So then even more happened. Uh, that night, Greg got a text from a guy named Tyler Strand. Uh, he's actually a special makeup and effects artist. Uh, he's an occult adventurer. A researcher and investigator of the paranormal. Yeah, he's he's very hyper. Yes, that's a great he's word. To very high, him. strong. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, he's just, not at he's all. He's just he has a personality that is. He's very excited. You know what that reminds me of when you told me about how Garrett Watts talked to was it a psychic medium mm -hmm. that told him he was a new soul. And that's why he was so excited to see everything experienced yeah, stuff. Yeah, because that was the first time that that's the first time that soul had experienced it. So people with ADHD associate them with being a new soul because everything is so new, bright and shiny. You're like, oh, look at here, look at there, look at that. Oh my god, oh my god, this is so exciting. This is the best thing in the world. And like everything, the next thing is always better and greater than the thing before that. So let's yeah, that's kind of like how he is. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the way the way Greg um, described him was was. Actually, kind of perfect too. As a little excited, the most excited puppy you've ever met. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had that kind of energy, but I don't. Oh my god! So Tyler ended up having a new lead for their investigation. He said he found some information on the goblins. Uh, he ran into some guy uh, at the Mothman Festival a couple weeks prior, and this guy had made his own book that was basically a collection of all the sightings and information on goblin sightings. And just a tidbit, the Mothman Festival occurs yearly in September uh, to commemorate the 1966 Point Pleasant, West Virginia Mothman sighting. Pre-COVID. <laughs> which gave birth to the infamous red-eyed winged legend. Yes, everything's pre-COVID these days. That's what it's going to be. You know how they got like... BC, AC, then they're going to have, like, pre-COVID. PC right there. <laughs> Pre-COVID. After COVID. AC. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we got to, they have the different word for that. So then they end up calling that old man to talk uh, to him. Not in this episode. Oh, okay. It was the next one. Okay. Yeah, I think so. But they did end so up well. calling Tyler Strand, though. No, Tyler called them. Okay. So, a little tidbit, tidbit about that. So if you remember when Connor was doing the Estes Method session, he had made note of the number 48. So the team checked what they were recording at the time. So they were recording for 48 minutes. When they got off the phone with Tyler Strand, 
they checked the time, the amount of time they were on the phone with Tyler, and it was 48 minutes and 48 seconds. Yep. It was pretty crazy. So Dana had said that uh, it had definitely been a premonition. (laughs) Well, also, if you look into the numerology of it, it means passion and determination. Determination to keep doing it no matter how difficult it is. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yes, what they're doing is very difficult because they're running into all these things, all these different little, you know, nuisance and hiccups that are coming up. But they have to keep the passion and be be determined to follow through with all of this, to find out why they're led on this path. Absolutely. And they're definitely a determined crew. They're quite entertaining. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're very likable. I will make make a note and say that uh, you had purchased some signed um, posters and stuff from Connor and the crew. And you were um, communicating with Connor and he seemed pretty cool and chillax and pretty down to earth. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a very down to earth guy. Mm-hmm. So I stand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, there, uh, not a whole lot happened in this episode. Um, mainly it's just, you know, information dump. So, not a lot of high action. I think the next episode, they have a lot more, like, action-packed stuff that happens. But, you know, you gotta lay the groundwork for the, the bigger moments. Yeah. hmm So, stay tuned to see uh, what happens next. So, we'll be back soon with episode four. Yeah, four. Yep. How many episodes they got in this? this in the one? first season, I want to think there were nine. Okay, I know there's more in the second season, I believe. I Unless I have it backwards. I really don't, I don't remember. But yeah, we'll be back with episode four, and uh, see you soon, guys. Yep. Until then, keep it spooky. Bye. For more of our content, you can visit us online at Paranormal Noise on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and at Paranormal Noise Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. All topics discussed in our Paranormal Noise podcast are for entertainment purposes only. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are ours and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. Any content provided by our guests is of their opinion and is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.